Appropriate, of course, that Tyler Higby brings us in, coming off a three-touchdown performance in the win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Good evening from downtown Los Angeles at LA Live with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and joining us from the Rams facility at Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. He's the head coach of your 2-0 Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. Good evening, Coach. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Hanging in there, man. Uh, big win. Uh, Got to feel good coming back on that plane. It was good. You know, I, I think the thing I was most pleased with, DeMarco, is just the fact that you know, everybody makes the, the, you know, the case, oh, it's a West Coast, to East Coast trip. Our guys were ready to go from the jump. We had a little bit of adversity going to the half, but they came out, handled it in stride, and, and I think that's reflective of a, a tough, mentally tough team, what we want to be, and our guys have done a great job demonstrating that through, through two weeks. You're too young to have milestones, Sean, but here's a mini one for you. 50 regular season games gone by. You've won 35 of them. Only Chuck Knox and George Allen have won more in their first 50 in Rams coaching history. Can you believe it's been 50? What does it feel like? Well, it feels like I'm 50 years old myself, <laughs> you know. So good for Chuck Knox and, and Coach Allen. So how many did they have through their first 50? 40 and 37, wow. respectively. <laughs> Well, golly, I got to get my act together, man. What the heck? That's awesome. Good. Could you? Uh, That's why those guys are legends. Could you choose a favorite win from that group of 35? Favorite regular season win? Yeah. Well, I think yesterday because it's the most recent, and it's tough to beat that. Uh, you know, I think any time that it means something, you know, certainly we know what a special night that Chiefs game was. Um, you know, but I think any time you're able to win the division, you know, being able to beat the, the Lions to clinch the division and, and then being able to beat the Tennessee Titans in our first year in 17. So those are a couple that stand out. But what you appreciate is every single year is such a different year. And I've been really pleased and, and I'm really loving this team. We're having a lot of fun. Got a lot of young guys, a lot of veteran leadership. So this has been a real joy through the first couple of weeks. And we want to keep it rolling next week. Just personally, I, I, like you said, everyone counts. You like to beat everybody on your schedule, but just you personally, does it feel good for you to finally get by Philadelphia? They've been tough you know on what? you. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's a fun narrative, but uh, I think it was most important for us to be able to go get to two and O against, uh, you know, in a, in a big game that we knew we needed to have. And so it was good, but every single year is a different year. And, the guys played really well yesterday. I was I was pleased with so many different people, and, and I love this football team. Uh, Coach McVay with us on the second episode of the Coach McVay Show here on 710 ESPN. The Rams 37-19 winners over the Philadelphia Eagles, and they go to Buffalo next. The Bills also 2-0. And, Sean, I think two of the prevailing themes I heard most from you this offseason uh, had to do with identity and recommitting to running game efficiency. I know it's only two weeks, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win every week, but you have to be very pleased with where you are in those two categories, I imagine. Yeah, you're exactly right, JB. And, and to see some of that stuff come to fruition in the first couple weeks is exactly what we wanted. We know that uh, this is a long season. we got a great challenge against a really tough Buffalo Bills defense this week. But I think uh, a lot of the things that we've emphasized, our guys are really making it come to life. And it's been a positive for us. You know, I mean, when most people talk about offensive coaches these days, like yourself, uh, they, they always equate it with the passing game. Uh, I think you're a guy that would be okay running it more than you throw it as long as you're having success at whatever you do. 100%. And, and I think the last two weeks have been reflective of that, DeMarco. You know, you, you end up having good possession. Um, you know, you're usually in better down and distances, especially in some of those third down situations, which is, I think, a big reason why we've been able to be efficient in the first couple weeks on third down. So it all goes hand in hand. And, you know, you definitely don't want to minimize the importance of being able to have uh, have an identity, but stay balanced, uh, especially, you know, when you've got the run pass threat and trying to marry those two together. 
2-0 is, of course, fantastic, but given the rash of injuries around the league, the state of your roster has to be even more encouraging. I'll give you a chance to kind of run down the latest for us on the injury front, but from what I understand, uh, relatively minor compared to what some other teams around the league are dealing with. Yeah, that's true, JB. It's, you know, I, I hate it for our game. You know, when you see some of these great players go down with season-ending injuries, um, you know, you just never want to see that. But it does make you feel blessed that that so far through a couple weeks we've been minimal in, in terms of the injuries. You know, when you really look at it, Malcolm Brown got a pinky yesterday. He had that thing fixed today where they'll put a little pin in it, but he's so tough that he'll be ready to go this week. Uh, Joseph Nopum was the one that came out with a tough injury where he strained the calf and Something that you can't, you know, it sounds minimal, but it's really not when you think about those linemen and all the weight that they have to really take on when they're blocking guys like DeMarco Farr, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, trying to hold up. So uh, he'll be a couple weeks, but David Edwards stepped in nicely. Cam got a rib, and and really, you know, it's, it's the cartilage that he kind of separated. You know, you don't want to say it's a rib fracture because he didn't get the bone, but he got some cartilage um that that is really painful and then Darius Williams has been fighting through some Achilles tendonitis but he sure looked pretty good making that pick undercutting the kind of little uh you know lean post that they ran in the high red area so those are the guys that, that that's very minimal when you think about some of these players like a Bosa or Barkley uh, you know you just hate to see those guys go down with the ACLs for the year all you'd have to do is hard count me coach that's all I know I, apparently I, that's I give what you, you said when you have five offsides in <laughs> four, one game last four, week four four not five yeah. Yeah, all right. I didn't get the hey, fifth that's... opportunity. <laughs> no doubt. I love it. Hey, uh, you know, you know, we talked at the end of the game, and I hope this is not getting too far forward. Um, who would be who gets the game ball? And I'm looking at Tyler Higby and a three spot, three touchdowns. That's hard to beat. The first guy that came to mind for me was Daryl Henderson. That's my, right. My goodness, uh, that is some explosive runs. Taking nothing away from Cam or Malcolm Brown, but just guys that can scoot can just absolutely scoot and change a game. Yeah, no, and for him to make a big play in the run game, he had some really tough, hard-earned runs as well outside of just that 40-yarder that, that you're talking about. His touchdown run was a physical run, and then, you know, to be able to make a play in the screen game and then catch a, a ball down the field for a 28-yard gain, he he had a great day. He was definitely a guy that got a game ball as well, so you'll be proud to know that we are, we, you know, we, we're going to enjoy our wins. We're not going to be stingy with the game balls, and Daryl <laughs> certainly was one of those guys that got them. Staying with the uh, running back by committee there, I know it sounds like Cam Akers will have a chance to go this weekend. If for some reason he's not, on your depth chart, would you say Xavier Jones would be next in the pecking order or would uh, newcomer Raymond Calais have a chance, Sean? Yeah, Xavier would be the next guy. Uh, you know, he's he's been able to learn under Coach Brown. He's he's familiar with what we're doing. And, and Raymond is uh, a guy that's getting up to speed. But but Xavier is a guy that he really, he really showed well in a lot of those scrimmages, which you guys saw where we're playing tackle and um, did a really good job leveling some runs off, had a great career in college, and, and uh, he's the guy that would be next man up for sure. You know, I'd love it if you could revisit the decision to put Joe Nopum back at that left guard spot, even though I think David Edwards acquitted himself very well in the games that he started last year. What do you lose, if anything, plugging David into that spot yesterday and also moving forward? Well, Joe's done a great job. You know, you're really pleased with Joe, I think, coming off the ACL where he was really just playing his best ball last year and you hate it for him, but but David's experience really playing on the left and the right sides last year, I think, is going to be a really valuable thing. I think he was able to seamlessly come in, play almost 30 snaps yesterday, and, um, you know, we were able to kind of just continue on. You're not limited in anything that you can do when he came in. You're just kind of able to operate as normal, and, and that's uh, that's a real credit to David and to Coach Cromer and, and those guys uh, really developing that group, but 
I thought David's ability to be ready when his number was called is reflective of the way he's prepared, even though uh, he hasn't been starting the last couple weeks. I remember the offseason narrative was all about the offensive line. People were upset they didn't address the O-line. I don't hear much about that right now after being 2-0, and the way your guys are playing up front right now. They're doing a really good job, DeMarco, and, and I think a lot of it was the experience that we were able to gain with really young players last year. I mean, you look at before Joe gets hurt, you've got two guys – and really Brian Allen as a third where you got Bobby Evans, Brian Allen, and David Edwards, three players that played significant snaps for us last year uh, that are able to come in and, and operate if you need them. And so that's a huge positive to have that kind of depth from guys that have played. Even on our practice squad, you know, Jamel Demby is a guy that started a couple games for us and, you know, started our second and third game last year against the Browns and against the Saints. So there's a lot of things that, that we feel good about uh, those guys gaining experience, and, and they're getting better under Coach Cromer's guidance and leadership. Aside from not having the radio guys in the back of the plane, uh, <laughs> how did the travel go to the East Coast this week, and are you glad that you made the decision to come back between games? It was great. I mean, I, I thought it went uh, about as smooth as, uh, as it could have gone. Um, you know, we're going to do the same thing next week, but it, it was really good. The flight out was easy, uh, and then coming back is always enjoyable when, you end up, when you're able to win, and you know, we'll be smart with how we get our guys going this week, but but I thought their ability to, to not allow it to be an excuse to take care of themselves. And then, you know, Reggie Scott's always so instrumental in helping guide a lot of those procedures, especially how we travel and how we get our guys going from a sports performance perspective, and very thankful for them. Did you even know that we rode in the back of the plane, Sean? Be honest. Of course he did. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, I, of course I knew that. <laughs> we called yesterday's game from right here in these seats. No, off the you monitor. know what? I, I did know that you ride in the back of the plane. If you told me what I have known, that you were not in the back of the plane this trip, I would have been lying if I said I did. <laughs> uh, wrapping up the first segment of the Coach McFace show. Uh, last thing on, on the health front. Is there any update on Terrell Lewis at this stage of the game? Uh, there isn't. He's making good progress. He's a guy that, uh, you know, if you do end up having to, to you know, put no boom on that IR with it being three weeks, then that, that ends up creating a natural spot for Terrell to be able to step in. So he's making good progress, but no updates on that front right now. All right. Well, thank you very much for everything top to bottom to get us started here on the Coach McVay Show. When we come back, Tyler Higby, a three-touchdown performance to lead the way in the win over the Eagles. But Jared Goff hit on his first 13 throws. What was it like to watch that and call that from the sideline when we continue on 710 ESPN? All right, we're off to week three, a trip to face the Buffalo Bills, also 2-0 as we continue with this edition of the Coach McVay Show. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and from Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. And your quarterback, Sean, uh, connected on his first 13 tosses yesterday, a career high, finished 20-27 of 27 with three touchdowns, no turnovers. As he's getting off to that just impeccable start, are you aware of the groove that he's in and the fact that he's racking up completions the way he was? I was. You know, you could just feel the ball hadn't touched the ground yet. And, um, you know, he was definitely feeling it. You know, for us, for him to lead us on, you know, three straight touchdown drives to start the game, I think was reflective of his performance and his command. And um, it, he, he really did a nice job. I mean, made a lot of plays, got a lot of guys involved, was was able to really, you know, you look at the run game, um, how positive that was. You know, he's the one that's running the show uh, with regards to getting us in and out of some of the right looks. So, it was a really good day for Jared, um, and I think uh, a big building block for next week going into uh, a really tough defense that we've got to play in the Bills. And some really good looks, too. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, is it fair to say you've, you've found your mojo play-calling-wise, or is it just Jared Goff getting a little bit better? 
than last season. Yeah, I mean, you know as well as I do, the players are the ones that make the stuff come to life. I think uh, there's always a couple play calls that you definitely want back, but there's a couple ones that you're saying, man, this is uh, this is the look that we had hoped for, but ultimately the players have to make it come to life, and I think there was a lot of that yesterday, but think it like like we talked about that you know it's always about that collaboration there were some good decisions that we made as a coaching staff but the players ability to execute have clarity and understand the intent of what we're trying to get done I thought was truly reflected in uh in the performance of a handful of guys yesterday you know uh, watching your guys on on film just watching the offense it's it's in the run game in particular uh it seems like they have a, a great understanding of the concepts and what you're trying to do as if when their man disappears, they move on to the next, you know, seamlessly. They're not turning around chasing one guy. They're just moving on to the next guy. It seems like everyone's on the same page offensively. Yeah, that's a great compliment, and, and I think uh, I think you're right. In a lot of those instances, you know, especially some of those core players that, that have played and, and understand what we're trying to get done, they, they, it really does show up with their ownership and, um, and how they're able to play off of one another, understanding what the defense is trying to get done and, and how they can execute their responsibility, uh, whatever that play is that we're trying to execute. And, and I think uh, that's reflective of what the good offenses do. Long way to go, but, but through uh, the first couple weeks, there's a lot of positives to draw on. You know, Jared does get a touchdown pass for that uh, toss to Robert Woods, a rushing touchdown, but I think he should get an assist. That was straight out of the Orlando bubble, wasn't it? It was sweet. You know, he, he did he did look uh, – it, it was like he was dishing a, an assist for sure. Played a nice slate of hand act. And, uh, you know, those are just the little things that you never take for granted as a coach, but but stuff that he makes look really easy. You know, we haven't spoken to you since Robert Woods uh, got his contract extension, which you hinted was coming. Uh, this week he goes back to Buffalo where he started his professional career, of course. Any overall reflections on what he's done as a Ram and, and Sunday being kind of a quintessential Robert Woods game, whether it's pass catching – running with the football and always doing the dirty work with the blocking. You, you just said it right there. I mean, he's reflective of a lot of things that are right about what we got going and, you know, just his leadership, uh, his approach daily, um, you know, in the meeting room, on the field, how that translates to, to great stuff, you know, when the games actually count. But I think just when you look at what we ask him to do, whether it's as a receiver, as a runner, as a blocker, uh, he just does so many things for our football team that, uh, it's it's really a, a big-time thing to be able to get him extended. I think when you look at some of the guys we've been able to do that with, some of the pillars of our program, Robert Woods is certainly one of those guys and um, very excited to continue. I, I said to Ian Cooper both, I said, I'm really glad you guys are stuck with me for a handful uh, more years. No doubt. He's a weapon, and only you can turn a receiver into a fullback on certain plays. I said he's one of the few back-to-back 1,200-yard -back fullbacks in the NFL, man. You know, he's, he's a, such a stud. I mean, this guy is – he's all about the right stuff. Hey, if you don't like Robert Woods, then something's wrong with you. Let's move to tight end where Tyler Higby had a three-touchdown performance. Uh, Torrey Holt with uh, DeMarco Farr's era, the last hmm. to do that in a game for a Ram through the air. Uh, look, we all know about the tight ends in Philadelphia. That was a big storyline going in, but yours acquitted himself pretty well in Philadelphia, Coach. He really did. And, you know, the game kind of just came to him. Uh, he, I think he's just kind of picked up where he left off last year. A lot of confidence. You just see the swagger he's playing with. He's one of these guys that can do it all in the run game, in the pass game. You ask him to protect in some of our play actions. He's, uh, you know, and he maximized the opportunities he had. He's five targets, five catches, and, and three of them for touchdowns. And 
you know, he uh, he's has some fun with the celebrations too, <laughs> even though there's no fans. So he's a, he's a glue guy for our football team. He's he's been outstanding. Uh, you know, those 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 paper fans, they you know they need some love too. You know, that's right, man. Yeah. There there was a couple. That, you know, it almost felt real for a little bit until you didn't hear any noise. Yeah, that you actually <laughs> didn't they say they were booing Carson Wentz at one point, something like that. Yeah, that's how it went. Yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> you know what? In, in our minds, right? <laughs> Definitely. Hey, uh. Can Higby get better? Because when you look at the elite, the guys, you know who we're talking about around the league, uh, the people we consider elite tight ends. And when you look at his numbers, finishing out the year and going into this season, I mean, he's right there with them. So can he take it a step beyond what he's doing so far? I think so. You know, it's just as you gain that experience, you get better as long as you have that same focus and concentration that he does every day. Uh, he's another guy. You just watch him as a leader of that group with Gerald, with Johnny Munn, even Bryson uh, as a young guy that, that we feel like is going to have a bright future with our program. You know, he, he sets the tone every day. Wes Phillips does a really, really good job with that group. But uh, but Tyler's ownership and just his growth over the last couple of years, uh, it's been really fun to see. And I think you're seeing the, uh, you know, the swag and the confidence that he's playing with. And, and it'll only continue to grow as he uh, continues to approach things the right way like he is. Sean, I hope you'll give me permission to be the wet blanket here. Will you forgive me for this upcoming question? Yes. Okay. I hope, I hope you know me well enough to know I'm coming from a good place when I ask. I hate to be that guy, but first and 10 at the plus 31, three minutes left in the second quarter. You're leading 21-9, yep. right? And Malcolm has runs of, I think, 9, 9, and 5 on the drive. And at that point, three, three called pass plays. Would you, would you do that differently, or was that just a sense of, hey, we're going so well, we're going to put this game out of reach right now? <sighs> Yeah, I think, um, you know, things were going well. I, I think in hindsight, I definitely didn't like a couple of those play sequences, especially the second down call. And, you know, then you get yourself in a third down and long. And, and the way that we were running the football, I did think, I, I thought that, and then I, I couldn't be more disgusted with the second down play call on our first play sequence coming out where I called the trap play. Um, that was about as putrid as it gets. So th- those are some things that you definitely want to, learn from and and um and that's where you grow but but i think the feel for the flow of the game i thought that was poor on my part and and not recognizing the knockoff and um being able to continue with some of those runs so that's definitely a sequence that that i would want back if if you could do it all over again are you talking about the trap play where fletcher cox blew it up uh yes i am he's a wrecking machine coach i mean Come on. Hey, you know what? He, t- he told our guys, he said, I'll bet you that you guys don't call that trap again. <laughs> <laughs> smart. You know what? He was right about that. No he, doubt. He was right. No doubt. Yes. I mean, uh, sometimes you just got to tip your cap. The other guy's good, too. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. Uh, just one more thing about Higby. Um, you know, I, I hope his success doesn't cost you Gerald. Because, you know, Tyler's having success. Now he thinks no one loves me or anything. Like I, I don't get any love in the offense. I hope you have a two-tight-end attack coming down the road. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, and Gerald is a really important part of what we want to do. Um, I, I, you guys know how much I am a fan of his game and the matchups and the different things that he can present. But he's really done a nice job. I mean, you look at Higby's third touchdown. The guy that made the key block at the point of attack was Gerald Everett securing Brandon Graham off the edge to allow Goff to set up just on that inside hash mark and, and make a great throw for a 28-yard touchdown. So Gerald uh, Gerald is doing a lot of good stuff, and, and I think it's my job to make sure we get him a little bit more involved. Now, given the start your team has uh, gotten off to, and especially as a franchise that doesn't play a lot of starters in the preseason as it is, do you think this year is validation given the sharp football we've seen, you know, watching that primetime game again last night between Seattle and New England, kind of validates the, the lack of a need for a preseason coach moving forward in the National Football League? 
you know, I, I don't know if I'd say that, but I think it's a good validation for the caliber of coaching and, and players that we have in this league and that they can get ready and, and produce really good football week in and week out. And, you know, that's exactly what those guys have done. And so, um, you know, for that, it's it's been really impressive. But we've, um, you know, we've definitely got to, uh, you know, keep it going. But but I think last night's game, when you talk about the Seahawks and, and Patriots is a reflection of, you know, how exciting this league is and how many good things are going in a lot of different places. You know, I'm cool with no preseason. Um, I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it when I was a player. And But look, I, I do know this. Tackling got better from week one to week two. And I keep telling people tackling is not something you can just run, roll out of bed and just do. You have to rep it to get it right. But from one week to the next, the tackling was remarkably, remarkably better from what I could see. It was. You're exactly right. You know, we only had – Seven missed tackles compared to 17 the previous week. None of those missed tackles ended up leading to an explosive play, which is always the key thing you're looking for. And again, another uh, another week of really good skilled playmakers that that can create a lot of problems in terms of getting them down. But I thought uh, I thought we played a much better game in terms of our tackling, our ability to get to the football, and um, and that was exactly what we wanted to to do. And, and those guys did a great job with it on defense, especially. And we'll talk a lot more defense coming up on the other side. The Rams are going to win a lot of games this season if Brandon Staley and company are keeping opponents below 20 points per game. Plus, the NFC West is 7-1 and one through two weeks, and the only loss was head-to-head. What does Sean McVay make of the results from the West, the best division in football? As we continue on the Coach McVay Show, looking ahead to week three and a trip to Buffalo on 710 ESPN. Yeah, we needed that one there. Is that the sneak? Yeah, yeah. I can't believe they gave you the A gap. <laughs> yeah. All right, welcome back to the Coach McVay Show. Looking ahead to week three, a trip to Buffalo to take on the Bills, who are also off to a 2-0 and start. We welcome Sean McVay back to the program with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and I feel like we spent a good portion of last week talking about how the linebackers would be tested against the offense of the Philadelphia Eagles, the inside linebackers in particular, and it seemed like Kenny and Micah both rose to the occasion in week two, Sean. They really did. They were very active. Um, you look at even just on the third play of the game, Micah forces the fumble, Kenny recovers it, but – Thought they had a really active day. Uh, Micah had a bunch of tackles, as did Kenny. And I, I just think their physicality and, and their presence was definitely felt. You know, Miles Sanders is a really good football player. I thought they were bringing it on him all day. And um, it, it was uh, it was just a really good job by our defense as a whole. But those two in particular, as they continue to gain experience, are only going to get better. Joe Barry's done excellent with them and uh, very pleased with, uh, you know, the improvement from week one to week two even though week one was uh, some pretty good stuff as well I know it's a quarterback driven league and we love to talk about raising quarterbacks from their rookie year all the way through until they become elite or not but same thing can be said for linebackers I love the relationship between Joe Barry and Micah Kaiser he's only going to get better and he's only going to be coached harder and harder from Joe Barry that's right. You know, Joe does a great job. I mean, you look at just the, the guys he's worked with in the last, you know, going into his fourth year here and, you know, how instrumental he was in, in helping Corey Littleton develop into a really special player. And, you know, he, he's just he's he's a really special coach. He's a great communicator. He's very demanding, but he builds relationships with those guys from the jump. And, and I think that enables them to have a really good rapport, which is the most important thing to be able to have a foundation that uh, that you can really build from. And, and that's exactly what he does. 
You know, Coach, to my eye, the Rams did not blitz much on Sunday, which may have come as a surprise to some who saw Carson Wentz under siege sacked eight times the week prior. Why did that make sense to kind of play coverage behind a four-man rush in that design yesterday? Well, I think we felt like it was the best plan, given the fact that they have so much versatility out of 12. Um, you know, with, with Goddard and, and with Ertz being as, as uh, you know, much of a challenge as they are, you know, we were in a lot of different front structures, but um, we just felt like that was the right approach. Wanted to be able to have some body presence with some coverage on the back end. I thought our front four, uh, even though there wasn't sacks, they forced the ball to come out. And, and you know, that was their game plan. And, and so there really doesn't make a lot of sense to, to expose yourself on the back end. We did end up pressuring on one of those third downs where they ended up hitting Sanders out of the backfield for a big gain on a third and long. But I thought Brandon called a really good game. I thought the coaches put together an excellent game plan and players made it come to life. But uh, limiting the explosives um, and, and not really allowing some of their playmakers to get going. And then I think another thing, too, is being able to just be visual on Wentz when he's got the ability to make so many good things happen off schedule. And sometimes when you rush guys, if you get out of a gap, you know, there's that cavity for him to be able to step up in. And I thought our front four, led by Coach Henderson and Aaron Donald, obviously, did a really good job all day. Yeah, it's funny. I, we, we said we didn't call Jalen Ramsey's name that much. Well, that's what you're paying him for, <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, teams don't they're, – they're not going to go out in much. And the t- a couple times that they did, he was in perfect position that, that Wentz, uh, you know, had to progress and, and move elsewhere with where the ball was going to go. And he's on anybody. can line up on tight ends. He's just a special guy. But I need some, some love from the offensive side of the football for the play that Darius Williams made. I, I, I can't st- I can't stand all these. That's a bad throw. No, that's a hell of a play by a corner. Give me some love. I thought so. Yeah, it was great. I mean, he, he ended up undercutting it. I mean, because Wentz put that on a rope, and it was on a first down in the high red area. And, you know, it's 21-16 at that point. To be able to make that play, uh, I, th- I thought totally flipped the momentum. That ended up being the next drive that, that we ended up going for it uh, on fourth down. And, and it, only, it only led to a field goal, but – I just thought uh, that play, when they had a chance to, to take the lead for the first time, enabled us to, to regain the control and the momentum, and Darius was big there. You know, as I look back at his last five regular season games, if you recall in, in Arlington, he had a pick of Dak that was you know called off because of a, a phantom P.I., but Bad he got call. Jimmy G., he got Kyler, he got Wentz now, and, and you mix in a solid opener at SoFi Stadium. That stretch of five games is about as ball hawking as you could get in the National Football League. It is, and, and really, it, it's cool to see Darius do what we expected him to do because even just I can remember when we were first able to get him, uh, just watching what he was doing when he's on the active roster but giving some looks for our receivers on the scout team, and he's really given some really good players a lot of fits, uh, you know, playing some man coverage principles, and he's a great competitor. The game's not too big for him. Uh, he's only going to continue to grow, but – Man, he does have the makeup and, and a lot of the physical traits that you're looking for in terms of a really good corner. Yeah, you remember that pick in Dallas? Oh, yeah, of course. You're kidding. Yeah, what was, what, what a, was the was, down was, and distance? Well, I don't know what the d <laughs> was, but I know it was on the far sideline. It was a bad OPI call. No doubt. It was a bad DPI call, I mean. Yeah, so the, the, the guys – The game got out of hand after that. Some guys <laughs> just have a knack for making plays, man. I mean, they really do. I mean, he's got the stones to say, look, I can make this play, and he goes out and does it. I respect right. that. I do too. No doubt. Uh, yeah, uh, just moving forward, I mean, just the way the defense is playing, I mean, you could always play better defensively. I mean, there's some things you have to clean up, but you did enough. You made enough plays to win the game. We did. And I think uh, just a lot of the adjustments that we're making in-game, the understanding that our players have for what we're trying to get done has, has really been apparent to me. 
Uh, we're a mentally tough group through two games, and, and that's a really important thing. I think uh, the best teams are those mentally tough ones, and we want to continue to embody that. But I just think the way that our defense has really performed, uh, especially after whether it be a sudden change situation, you know, even something as big as just the way that Leonard Floyd strings out that two-point attempt after we end up fumbling the punt and they punch it in for the touchdown, you know, plays like that are good momentum changers that, that guys create and, you know, there's no flinch, there's no blink, and, uh, and that's what I've seen from our defense, and that's why you just feel so much confidence in that unit. How about that fumble punt? Because we talked on this show and in some other instances last week about the decision you made at punt return with uh, Cooper Cup over Simba Webster. Yeah, and, you know, Cooper Cup is a great football player. Uh, I stand by what I've said. It was a, it was a thing that, uh, you know, we definitely will be able to learn from it. And any great player, there's been some things that you learn from. I'm, I'm more interested in the response, and I thought his response, our response as, as a team, was a powerful thing to really see that, hey, when we do face adversity, we're going to continue to stay together. Uh, Cooper's got the ability to respond. I love this ownership that he took for it. And when you have guys that, that have the security in themselves to be able to own mistakes and then be able to move forward, it's powerful. And uh, especially when they're captains like Cooper is and, you know, he'll learn from that. He'll get better. And uh, fortunately, that was something that uh, that we'll all be able to learn from as we move forward and into the following weeks. Maybe you can help me with this. I, I don't know how to coach or how you coach a place kicker and let alone how do you coach a rookie place kicker? How do you approach talking to Samuel Sloman? about games and preparation and stuff like that? Yeah, I think you, I think you just, you know, you, you don't want to walk on eggshells, but you also want to be cognizant of, you know, not trying to give too much information where it waters it down. And then, uh, and then you start thinking about a million things instead of focusing on the main things that are important to really execute whatever your role is. And for him, it's consistency in the approach, the timing, um, you know, the accuracy with where you're able to strike the football. And, and then there's a huge part of it with the snap and the hold and, We've got two of the best at that and, and Johnny and Jake. So, um, you know, just, just helping him continue to grow, getting his feedback, being able to listen. And, um, you know, the one thing that you do feel good about is he is a pretty mentally tough kid. I, I don't get the sense that he's phased by a couple of the things that haven't gone great through the first couple of weeks. And that's what we want to see as we move forward. Back to the defense of Brandon Staley for another thought that I had driving home after yesterday's win. And I recalled, I think it was an ESPN article that quoted you and Matt LaFleur and, maybe Shanahan too, just kind of asked as a survey, like what defensive structure or defensive coordinator gives you the most headaches? And I, I think mm. universally the answer was Vic Fangio. Now that you have Brandon Staley on your side, do you feel like you've tapped into some of that? Are there, are there similarities he's drawing from there, or is he different, more different than he is similar? No, I mean, you, you look at the respect that Brandon has for, for uh, Coach Fangio and a lot of things that he was able to learn, and I think it's uh, I think Brandon's system is a true reflection of a lot of good people that he's been around while also, you know, having his own elements on it, especially situationally. But his command, his understanding of what he wants to get done is uh, is definitely apparent. And, uh, you know, our defense has, has definitely been a, a real headache to go against all offseason. And I think they're doing a really good job. And, and I think that's a real credit to, uh, you know, our coaches and Brandon's leadership that he's providing for everybody. I just like it. You, you keep everybody in front and, and you try to get after them with four and everybody pursues to the football. I mean, that's just basic football. Everyone pursues to the ball and you, you don't give up big plays that way. Yeah. And he picks and chooses his spots too, you know, because you don't always want to be that way. And I think when you just look at the last couple weeks, He's done a great job of having a feel for the flow of the game of when to activate guys going forward or when to be able to play, uh, you know, some of those coverages that you're talking about. And, and uh, 
I've just been really impressed with his game day demeanor. I think that's a thing that you can't feel out until you actually experience it. And his poise, his calm, his ability to call a game and, and feel it when offenses speed it up or in crucial calls in the third downs or, you know, the third downs in the red area, you know, those, the, the fourth and three call that he made against Dallas. I, I just think uh, he's, uh, he's been really, really impressive. Uh, not surprised, but, but he's done a really nice job. As we start to preview the matchup with the Buffalo Bills, it seemed like Jalen Ramsey will have a really good head-to-head test. But when I think of yesterday's game, it was a pretty quiet day for his side of the field, wherever, whatever area of the field he was in. Is that kind of the design? Is that the way you want it for Jalen Ramsey's defensive day where teams just kind of write that portion of the program off? I think so. And then when you do get your opportunities or your playoffs, let's make sure we don't miss an op. And his ability to stay tapped in when a lot of teams you just know are not going to make a habit of wanting to target Jalen Ramsey – uh, because it's the sound thing to do uh, when you get your play opportunities. And he's influencing the game in a variety of ways, but sometimes the stats are not reflective of exactly the contributions he's able to make because of what he does enabling us to change the math and in a lot of different ways. Feels like he wants to play safety sometimes, you know? He can play wherever. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at his skill set and all the different things that he does. I mean, even going back to his days at Florida State where he's playing some nickels, some safety, his versatility, he's a football player. That's what he is. And he knows what's going on, big picture. I uh, I continue to come away more and more impressed with just his football acumen and understanding of everything that's going on. So I get home yesterday, and my neighbor, whose name is Ryan, he's a Detroit Lions fan, but he flipped over to the Rams game, and his mm-hmm. number one takeaway that he wanted to confront me with was, my goodness, does that rookie safety hit hard. How about the week one to week two growth for Jordan Fuller? Really impressive. You know, I, I thought uh, – you know, it was it was awesome. You know, our, our back seven as a whole ended up getting game balls, but but Jordan Fuller was really good. I, I thought, uh, you know, all the stuff that you saw, that you saw show up consistently at Ohio State. He looked like yesterday. Uh, everybody made a big deal about the Dallas game. You know, the fourth and three stop, which was certainly a huge play. But I think overall, he knows he could play better than what he did last week, and and certainly yesterday was a step in the in the right direction in a big big way. Coach Evero did a great job with him and. He was striking people all day. There's no doubt about it. Oh, we forgot uh, the other rookie, Van Jefferson. He don't look yeah, like it, a rookie. He doesn't. No, he, he he got involved early, made a couple big uh, big catches, had a big third down, had a nice catch on a play action, and um, you know doing a good job competing without the ball as well. So I think uh, the leadership from Eric Yarber and, and those those other guys that we've mentioned and Robert and Cooper. You know, Van is uh, he's got great examples of what it looks like day in and day out, and he's uh, he's got a real bright future. It all shapes up for an epic Week 3 clash in Orchard Park, the 2-0 Rams against the 2-0 Buffalo Bills. We'll preview it next with Sean McVay on the Coach McVay Show Week 3 edition on 710 ESPN. All right, we appreciate Robert Woods bringing us back for the Coach McVay Show, and Robert's going back to Orchard Park to face the team that drafted him, the Buffalo Bills. Before we get to that matchup, Sean, I just want to ask about the, uh, the NFC West real quick. 7-1 and one collectively through a couple of weeks, the only loss head-to-head between Arizona and San Francisco. Are you surprised? Uh, no, but I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, we know uh, what a good uh, group of teams there are in this, in this division, but there's great teams everywhere. It's a couple weeks, but I think you, you can't deny, know what a special team San Fran is. Arizona, Arizona has started out great, and then uh, Seattle's obviously been doing their thing as well. So, uh, really good football teams and uh, great challenges whenever we uh, end up playing those guys. Yeah, I just, you know, uh, take care of your own business first. But uh, this is going to shake out to be probably the best division in football, but you probably know that already. But going back to Buffalo, um, I-, I guess another 
issue with a quarterback that can absolutely move and can pull it down and can can hurt you. I guess Carson Wentz was the same way, but defense did a good job. But this is a, a another challenge with a quarterback that's on the rise and also is a dual threat. No, no question. And and I think when you really look at when the schedule comes out, you're looking at your first few opponents and you're saying, you know, with Dak, with Carson, and now with Josh Allen, all of these guys are very dangerous dual threats that can really make you pay. Uh, if you're not careful, uh, Coach Dayball has done a really nice job of bringing some different elements to their offense that makes them even more difficult to defend. They add digs in the offseason, and, uh, you know, our guys will be excited about the challenge when you look at way, the way that they've played uh, these first couple weeks. First player in NFL history, in fact, with 700 passing and at least 75 rushing in his team's first two games of a season. Nice. Is, is this uh, enough of a sample size, or will you dig back into last year as well with your preparation for the Buffalo Bills? Oh yeah, you'll go back a little bit last year. Uh, I think the first, I think once you get a couple weeks of inventory, it's a good reflection of what they want to be. But um, you know, especially with the continuity that they have with the coordinator spots, you'll definitely do that. And um, you know, it, it's important, but you also don't want to minimize the importance of these couple games and, and how they're utilizing their personnel with a few of the changes they do have. You know, going to Buffalo is always tough, uh, but going to Buffalo, I guess if you could pick, I'd rather go in September. I think so. <laughs> for, for a team in L.A., no doubt about it. I think we would all agree on that. Uh, I mean, so, so again, I mean, you're, there's not really a home field advantage. Are you noticing anything different from versus being at home versus uh, being on the road? Like with Jared Goff and the Cadence and hard counts, it's, it's pretty much the same everywhere you go. Yes, it's, uh, it's, all, it's awfully strange. Um, you know, even just being able to hear some of the dialogue amongst the players there's a lot of stuff that it, it takes getting used to, but uh, we, um, you know, being on the road, you, you definitely like it. I did kind of miss the Philly fans, you know, <laughs> saying some mean things to me. You know, I, I, I like that stuff and it brings a lot of uh, energy and excitement to these atmospheres. But they had the cardboard setups that, uh, that felt real until, uh, until they Wait, did. What's the meanest thing someone's ever shouted at you that you can remember, or you can say on the radio. I can't. I mean, those, those, those Philly fans, man, you better have alligator thick skin to be able to handle it. They'll hurt your feelings if you let them. And so there's many times, even going back to when I was coaching for the uh, Washington football team, I can't call them what I, what I was when I was there. Um, you know, they, they said some stuff that will really hurt your feelings if you're sensitive. I can promise you that. You know, you said it earlier in the program that you really like this team individually, collectively. I, I wonder in terms of generating their own enthusiasm, their own momentum in an environment like that, how much of a competitive advantage has that been and can that continue to be? I think it's big, JB. I mean, you, you know, in a lot of instances, our guys have joked that it feels kind of like the JV, uh, you know, the middle school, high school football teams where you're just kind of playing pickup ball and you're bringing your own energy and you're supporting one another. But, you know, I think about guys like, Whitworth, like Brockers, like Hecker, that have really just brought such great energy. And there's so many guys, you know, the Robert Woods and, um, you know, John Johnson. There's just – there's so many guys I can think of that, that have really brought their own juice, that have been supportive of their teammates. And, and I thought it was tangible yesterday, and I thought it was definitely, uh, you know, a, a winning edge for us. Uh, you know, I forgot to uh, – this is going back to last week. I think it was Johnny's second punt where he actually went down and covered it. And he, yeah. he beat the world down the field. That's not just a punter. That's a no. weapon. Yes, it was, uh, you know, you don't want your punter to have to spring, you know, to, to make the ball level back off inside. But he is a freak. He can do a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, we, we don't like to have to use the punt team often. But when we do, we feel good because uh, we got the best in the world doing it. 
Well, hey, when you get to the uh, Buffalo tape, I hope it's all there because there was a massive power outage during that game in Miami. The CBS TV truck lost a good portion of the broadcast. I hope the coach's film is all there for you, Sean. The coach's film should be intact, but uh, there's a couple things that we might miss out on, a couple of these audibles and cadences that uh, we might be short on with everything that we can hear now. How about with Stephon Diggs? I mean, you've seen him a couple of times in a different uniform. What dimension does he bring to a talented arm like Josh Allen in that offense? Huge. Uh, you know, and he's so versatile. He can, he can beat you in a variety of ways. You know, you can see him catch a short pass, catch a screen, and, and be able to take it to the house. He can catch and track balls down the field as well as anybody. Uh, he's a threat to, to be able to take jet sweeps and all that kind of stuff. So you see why the Bills were so adamant about being able to try to give up so much to, to acquire him and these first couple weeks are definitely indicative of, uh, you know, a, a good investment on their part and, and a great challenge for the Rams defense coming up this week. I, I guess it's too early to start hyping up a Ramsey versus Diggs matchup. It's it's your secondary versus their receiving core. Is that fair enough? That's right. You see, that's exactly right. I like it. <laughs> We've been doing this show a while. <laughs> you, you know me now. You know me. You know, I'm, not, I'm not taking that bait, Marco. On a much less serious note, a much more peripheral issue, seeing those uh, bone uniforms and the helmets and the sunlight of Philadelphia, man, did they get those right. They looked really clean, didn't they? They, they do. Yeah, I think uh, all the uniforms, they, they, the clean is a good way to articulate it. The guys feel fresh. They, they, they like the way they look in those, and um, it's, it's definitely uh, – they, they did a really good job with those uniforms. They're not lobbying you to go bone three weeks in a row, though, right? We will see the Royal in Buffalo. You know what? It's the player's choice. We, we let them pick, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I some there's a lot of decisions that need to be made and some of which I don't need to be involved in. And so I let the, the, let the players uh, pick the uniforms they want to wear and the games that we're able to make those decisions. And um, so Brendan Berger, he would be the one that would be able to tell you. But I can tell you right now, I'm going to be in the same gear that you saw me in the first two weeks. No doubt. If you look good, you play good. <laughs> if you look good, you coach good, right? That's right. If it fits, wear it. I love it. I love it. Good job with the mask, by the way. Three fines yes. uh, for coaches this week. You were not one of them, I trust? Uh, you know what? I honestly was in the middle of doing this show, checking my email, saying, please make sure that I'm not one of these guys. I got a call from a couple people in the midst of this uh, interview that we're doing. And so, so far, so good. I, I mean, I, I was following protocols. I mean, that, it was a challenge, but I kept that mask on. I see Fangio, Pete Carroll, and Kyle Shanahan were the guilty parties this week, according to Schefter. Hey, I wonder, I wonder how much money they got fined. Do you really want to know? You have it? Uh, yes. A hundred bands. A hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Hey, good news is all those guys you mentioned are rich. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Good news is you got the warning. You got the slap on the wrist. They got the fine. Wow. Oh, well, no. You know what, though? To my defense – the only, actually, you know what, I'm not going to throw anybody else under the bus, but I saw some games earlier in the day since we were the Sunday night kickoff, and I said, I don't seem to think that this rule is being taken seriously, so I'm just going to stop right now. Yeah. <laughs> just be safe. Wear the mask, right? Yes. Yes. I, 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 I'm coachable. I listen. No doubt. And the NFL, I mean, pretty much all of sports uh, doing a hell of a job with this. I mean, you're playing football now, you know, during this. And it's, it's so been true. successful. It's it's been awesome. It really has been. It's yeah, been awesome. Uh, you guys have accepted the challenge. Everybody had to accept the challenge. I like what they said in Hard Knocks. Uh, uh, on, there's going to be one team out of 32 that does this right. So far, you're on the track to do it right. Everyone's doing it right so far. Yeah, uh, no, that's that's that is true. And 
even though it's definitely in some strange times, I think there's been a lot of good things that have come from the NFL's ability to get the operation off and, and keep everybody safe, and, and that's obviously the goal and the intent. Is there anything that you thought would be super challenging that actually hasn't been within the, the protocols? And conversely, is there anything that's become a, a bigger issue that's become more of a hurdle to cross than you would have expected? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's like anything else. It's just your ability to, to say, you know what, this is part of our new normal, the new rhythm and routine that we're going to establish. And, uh, you know, the mask has been the biggest challenge for me because the, the one thing that, that you always try to do is we talk about clear, open and honest communication and how important that is so that clarity can exist among both sides. And I've never realized how much that communication is based on the body language, the ability to read people's facial expressions. And when your mouth and your nose and even in some instances, your eyes are kind of restricted in terms of what you can see it's hard to gauge the feedback and the way that a lot of the information you're delivering is received. And so that's been the biggest challenge, but that's very minimal when you think about all things considered. And uh, you know, it's, it really has the, the only thing that, that truly stands out to me is just the difference in how much you miss having those fans at the games, you know, and the, inc- and the excitement that they bring, but still been great, but it's better with the fans without a doubt. I can't wait to see that place. Your, your new stadium here I in LA either, man. full. I mean, can you imagine what that's going to look like when it's full? They're going to be right on top of you. That's going to be a hell of a place. That's going to be a tough place for everybody to play. It'll be spectacular, man. We'll, we'll, we'll enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, if you keep throwing deep balls to your running backs for touchdowns, it's going to be loud too. There you go. <laughs> I love it. What about landing in Buffalo and not being able to leave the hotel? How weird was that in Philadelphia, or was it even just one less thing to worry about from a coaching standpoint? I thought it was why that was a big reason why we ended up going there when we did, because you get in pretty much the evening, you have some quick meetings, you have a meal for them, you have a snack at night, and then you get up and you play the next day. And so Mm. you don't have the ability to go stir crazy. And uh, a lot of the parameters based on these new protocols and procedures with how you have to stay in one place is a huge reason why we decided to travel the way that we did and, and go the day before, because the mental health of guys and just feeling like you're restricted and and only being able to be in that hotel. uh, You can go a little bit stir crazy. And and I thought just being there for a short amount of time and and how seamless the flight to and from was, uh, was exactly what we had hoped for. And you miss us. You know, you miss us on that airplane. That I do. And and the hotel seeing us. Come on now. We hardly hardly see him at the hotel. hotel. Yeah. We don't see him at the hotel. You guys are enjoying it. Maybe able to have a nice (laughs) dinner the night before I'm sweating, trying to figure out what the heck the first play call is going to (laughs) be. Well, I think that is a good illustration. What you're talking about is just how blocked off the minutes and the hours are between wheels down and kickoff. Right. Coach, whether it's during the COVID era or even before this. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you're, you are mandated to arrive at, at, uh, you know, I want to say whatever six, you know, we were, we were supposed to arrive before 6 PM. So we got there right in, right in time for that and get to the hotel, you have a snack and then you end up having some quick meetings where you don't want to make it exhausting. Because, I mean, you know, as well as I do, DeMarco, the last thing you wanted on Saturday night before the game was just more meetings oh. upon meetings. Guys just want to have a snack, relax, quiet their mind down, maybe watch a little college ball that's on right now. And, and then go to bed and wake up and go do the thing. And so that's exactly what that trip was. And I was just really, really pleased with how our guys were ready to go, the way they handled it. And, you know, this group does such a good job. I've, I've just really been impressed with them, you know, from the start of training camp to now. And uh, it's, it's been as much fun as I've had in a long time. Well, this hour has been really fun for us as well. The Coach McVay Show brought to you by in and out That's what a hamburger is all about. Sean, hope your players enjoy the off day. Tomorrow have a great week of practice leading up to the trip to Buffalo. 
Okay. I appreciate it, guys, and uh, always enjoy it with you as well. All right, man. For DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. This has been the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN.